This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com on the 24-7 Sports Network. I am Mike Tazza. Tagging in. Familiar name. Familiar face. Friend of the podcast, and now the publisher, creator, inventor, engineer, architect, heard 247, Tom Bragg. Tom, Marshall, West Virginia, we can still be friends, right? I think so. I, th- I, think, I think we're past that now with, with all things. Uh, yeah, I don't think that the two schools are going to be playing in football or basketball anytime soon, but that doesn't mean you and I can't have conversations like this, Mike. Chat about what's going on with... Uh, upcoming football season in uh, in the Mountain State. I want to say, too, I'm proud of how mature you were because you asked me to be on your podcast, and I refused to do one on Marshall's site. And then I insisted that you do two of mine before I do one of yours, and then that didn't go very well. <laughs> and then we just didn't have a, a lot of communication for some time. And then, bang, I needed something, and here you were, and it worked out. And I really want to thank you for that. Yeah. Oh, thunder and lightning in the southern part of the state this morning. Apologize if that gives us any audio issues. It sounds like a storm's brewing outside. All right, head down. We'll, we'll trudge on here, too. Uh, <laughs> mention New Venture. People are probably familiar your time with the Daily Mail, the Gazette, um, West Virginia Sports Now. Do I have that right? Yeah. All yeah right. And now, true. New Venture. Um, free advertising here, Tom. But yeah. we're all on the same borders now. People know who you are, and you're, you're kind of, again, on our side of the fence again, which is really cool, too. But started something up here, and it looks like it's, it's starting to take off a little bit. Yeah, a little bit, you know. Uh, through the spring, I was I was in contact with some of the folks at at two four seven about you know getting a Marshall site site started. It's you know where I went to school, the school I, I grew up following, and then kind of grew up in in journalism covering while I was while I was in college. Um, hadn't been back on the beat as a uh, as a as a graduate of college, but got a lot of experience. A lot of places you mentioned. Uh, was on the WVU beat, obviously, for for the Gazette Mail for a couple of years before uh, they decided to start axing people's jobs in the in the middle of a pandemic. But it but it worked out because I'm here now. Uh, back in April, we got the site started. Really, kind of hit the ground running in May. June, of course, was a big recruiting month. That was a it was a big building month for us. And 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 now we're getting ready to start our our first season uh, covering Marshall for two four seven. And and super happy to be here. Super glad to be in the spot that I'm at. Because I'm able to do things like this with you, I uh, I chipped in with with some of the the basketball tournament coverage for Chris with with Best Virginia uh, going as far as they did, losing to the eventual runners up in that. I uh, heard that also lost to the same team, but but yeah, man, it's fun. I I I think that I can help mend this bridge between at least your the best way to put this mend the bridge between Marshall and WVU amongst amongst your listeners. I don't think there's any reason for any sort of animosity there because they don't play in any sports that a lot of the people hmm. follow. Baseball is a long time away. They're probably not going to play in football for a while. I don't think they're they're going to play in basketball as long as either of the current head coaches at both of those schools have anything to say say about it. So, so yeah, no reason why we can't all be friends here. Are you saying that you want a whole bunch of our board members to come down and populate your boards? 
Possibly, but I, I okay. okay. But as long as they can behave, we don't we don't have a very active board right now. So I would welcome the traffic, welcome the the activity on the board. But I've seen how those things can go in the past. So if you do that, just please keep it civil, and we're all good. You're here to help me out with the Q and A podcast. Chris is uh, I can't even keep track anymore of where he is. I just know he's on another vacation here, and then I have some coming up as well too. Man, so all that guy does is go on vacation, huh? It's an amazing life. It really is. Um, yeah, I think he's at the beach. And again, I'm not even sure which one. He goes to so many beaches too. It's really hard to narrow it down. But had to get this in because really narrow day passes right now where we don't have something with at least football on our side, but maybe even expansion too. And you certainly know your way around this. But you did mention Best Virginia, and you are a correspondent on site there. A very intriguing ending. Early ending, I get that. But this is sort of an event that has captured the fandom's attention really for like weeks leading up to the event and then everybody's watching because it's in the it's not the civics anymore now what is it the charleston convention and coliseum or whatever yeah i think they've sort of split it up it's it's two buildings in one there's a convention center side and a coliseum side for the basketball stuff in the arena they just call it the charleston coliseum all right so anyways people look forward to it down there it's a big deal um but boy the future of this team and the, and the way it's constructed I didn't realize it was as up in the air or maybe as un- uncertain as you seem to think it may be based on what other people were saying and what you were reading between the lines or what you were just hearing people talk about, too. Put me a little bit on that because maybe people didn't pay attention. It's over. People close the book on it because it hurts. But it does seem like that this could be back, but it could look different, too. Yeah, it, it felt like the um, the the state of the roster going forward out of this tournament for Best Virginia was – in flux at, at best you've got some guys that because because look it's great to have these alumni teams come back together the fans get excited for it you can go see the players that they, they gave you these these great moments of, of fandom when they were in college but the best virginia team as it as it was constructed there was a whole lot of guys from that final four team and i, and I get why there's that a, a connection to those guys but that was 11 years ago at this point these guys are in their 30s now and TBT is becoming kind of a, a young man's tournament, I guess would, would be one way to put it. And and you know, the final four guys, they're not they're not getting any younger. And just listening to, you know, John Flowers talk after some of those games, it, it seemed like not having the team, or at least not having the team as it as it's currently constructed, is something that's on the table. He mentioned talking with the Elmores about a possible West Virginia super team combining the two teams. And, you know, that's uh that's something I'm sure they'll a bridge they'll cross a little on down the line. And a lot of these guys are trying to get ready to get over to Europe, go get in their get back into the international game because that's where a lot of them do play their professional ball. But but yeah, if if it came down to it, and I would not be surprised at all if you know Best Virginia was not really a thing next year. But I but I figure there will be some form of team going going forward. But you know, like I said, just as it was constructed, as it was put together this time. Feels like it's on a little bit of a shaky ground. Another West Virginia Marshall merger. That there you go. See what we did there. Uh, one more, and then we'll get into this too. Um, new coach, Charles Huff. Um, people obviously, um, I don't know, excited because it's the start of a new season, but excited because a coach with with the pedigree he has. I'm sure that's that's all what people are talking about, looking looking into, looking forward to there. It's different here because not people know Neil Brown. It's his third season, but. The expansion thing is just a big conversation topic, and even if you are focused on practice or a position battle or the approaching season, 
that's with one eye over here and the other eye is looking at the Big Ten, the SEC, the Pac-12, what's going to happen, what happens to the Big 12. Any of that happening down at Marshall or is it just football and the new coach and how things are going there? I think there's a lot of chatter among the fans, but it's it's kind of become sort of a, a wait and see thing at Marshall. And I think that's kind of shared across a lot of the group of five schools, particularly in Conference USA right now, because I mean, it's going to trickle down at some point from the power five and what happened with Oklahoma and, and Texas into the, into the group of five and, you know, conference USA has been through this before and, and you kind of have to wait until the, the bones are picked at, at the other levels before you, you get your turn at the, at the scrap would, would be one way to put it. Uh, what, what happens with the big 12 and potentially the AAC, I think is going to be pivotal for conference USA, but not a whole lot of people are talking about that yet down here because like you mentioned at Marshall, at least, you know, there's there's so much excitement over the new season, over the new coach, new coaching staff coming in. Uh, a lot of Marshall fans think the Herd's going to have another pretty good team this year. There's a lot of excitement about that. The, the quarterback is a Charleston kid that played high school ball at GW. Um, you know, that, that, that hasn't happened at Marshall in a long time. So there's a, a lot of excitement for the Herd right now. Not a lot of talk about realignment, but I think it's kind of in the back of everybody's mind, though. Also, the Conference USA preseason favorite with, what, like half a dozen all-conference players, too? Yeah, something like that. A preseason favorite in the East. UAB is the, is the preseason favorite in the West. That was the CUSA title game last year. But yeah, there's a whole lot of pieces back for this Marshall team. That, that And that's why people are, are so excited about it, I think. You've got guys like Grant Wells that I mentioned. Uh, Nazi Johnson's one of the best defensive backs in the league. Jamari Edwards is a watch list guy for Nagurski, Lamarty Awards, all those all those things. So Marshall thinks they've got some players. And, and uh It'll be interesting to see how it works out for Charles Huff because that's a that's one of the things that kind of gets lost with this pedigree of his coming in as the you know, the twenty four seven sports national recruiter of the year from from his time at Alabama and and having worked at places like Penn State under James Franklin and being the guy who kind of recruited Saquon Barkley that that's got a lot of people excited down here but he's never been a head coach at, at any level so it's hard to kind of peg down well we expect him to have this particular style and, and these particular situations, it's been real hard to peg down. There's a whole lot of unknown about, about what's going to happen when, when the actual games are going on. But so far, as far as the PR test and, and winning the press conferences, Huff has been doing a good job of that down there. Well, hey, if you can steal the, the headlines from men's soccer down in Huntington, you're doing something right. Well, you know, when, when you've got the national champions on campus, you got to do what you got to do, Mike. Let's go in. We'll stick. We'll start with a little bit of an expansion thing. I'm not going to bore you, Tom, with a lot of the Big 12 expansion stuff. But one question is specifically for you uh, that I'll get to. But um, yeah. I want actually let's let's do this one here first. Um, this actually comes from Obro. First question. Um, we'll get to the question for me that you can answer. But this is for you. Should Marshall try to go back to the MAC? Hmm. You know, it's an it's an interesting question. It's one that a lot of people in Huntington they they've kind of beat that drum really ever since Marshall went into Conference USA. Because, then, you know, the fans want to go to away games, and, and WVU fans run into this, into this in, in the Big 12 as well. You know, you've got a school in West Virginia, and you're asking their fans if they want to go to away games, you've got to go to Texas. And and in Marshall's case, not just, you know, Texas, Texas, you, you might have to go to El Paso. You yeah. might have to go to Denton. Now, El Paso, and another thing that people don't care for in Conference USA in Huntington, something that, that I've found, found is odd. Do you know when the last time – Conference USA schools, Marshall, and UTEP played a football game was? It was October 31st 
2010. It will be 11 years this fall since they have played each other in a, in a league game. How does that happen with, with two teams in, in the same conference? You go an entire decade without playing each other. So as far as the MAC goes, I don't know necessarily that that would be great for Marshall, but, you know, it, it's never really ended well for them in the MAC any time that they've been in the, in the league, and they've been there a couple times now. But I think you got to start looking for a life raft when, say, CUSA eventually crumbles because it, it really, the chatter you hear and the feeling you get from talking to people around the league is that everyone's looking for a way out. Nobody is happy with the current situation in Conference USA. The TV deal stinks. You've got situations, like I mentioned, where you know, teams haven't played each other in an entire decade. You've got to travel from you know, Old Dominion to Texas or, or from somewhere in Texas all the way to uh, to Huntington or, or to Middle Tennessee State. And it's just, it was, a, it was a noble experiment, I guess, but it seems like it's it's kind of winding down and that it's run its course. It'll be very interesting to see where these schools start landing when when the dominoes start falling. If, if Marshall ended up back in the MAC, I wouldn't be, you know, blown over surprised, but I don't think that's where they want to be right now. I think they would probably prefer something a little more along the lines of the Sun Belt, but I think that's a tough ask with the TV deal they just got. I don't think the Sun Belt teams are looking to to slice out any more pieces of that pie for schools right now. No, that's a really good point too because they they've worked to get that. Are they going to let other people in? Uh, I mean, is it does a parallel West Virginia in the ACC? Eh, not perfectly, but similar situation. I get that. Um, I can remember back the first time we did this that a. Conference USA Mountain West merger was was darn near complete, and then the Big East stepped in and took San Diego State. I think remember that when San Diego oh, State gosh, was yeah. the Big East. Uh, but like that was that was well, that end. was that the week that TCU was in the Big East. <laughs> TCU power, big, um, what, 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 just amazing history of them in the conference. Um, I forget all about that sometimes. San Diego State was supposed to be in the Big East. That's how farcical this whole thing got. But I can also remember even maybe like two or three years ago, a conference USA Sun Belt. And as you're saying, that's that's not happening now. The Sun Belt has a pretty clear identity as a group of five. Maybe the, I don't know, maybe the number two group of five conference from there too. So I mean, it's 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 interesting. Like you said, a lot of dominoes can fall. And the pandemic made teams do some crazy things because of finances, like eliminating tournaments and some championship sports, uh, pod play. For, for big conferences, for travel purposes. And some of that was the writing was on the wall and the pandemic kind of pushed it across the line, but it's not coming back. And you wonder like, wait a minute, why are we even doing these half measures on something more more radical, but more productive is out there? And is it a fix for a conference? Is it an expansion or realignment maybe? So yeah, you're right. The tentacles for this are, are outside the power five and uh, into the group of five. And we don't even know where they're going right now too. So um, the second question here for both of us, um, if West Virginia manages to pull a major upset this year, who is it and why? And I want to circle one word here, major. I don't I don't know who West Virginia would be a major underdog to on the schedule apart from, I would think, Oklahoma and Iowa State. Am I wrong there? Yeah, I think, I, I think that's about the list. Um, I mean, Oklahoma you know, State, just because they can't beat them lately, but are we talking that's going to be like eight points in Morgantown? Yeah, like he said, the the word major kind of kind of throws a wrench into that there because looking looking at the schedule, you know, at Oklahoma on September twenty fifth, uh, Iowa State coming to Morgantown October thirtieth. I think those are the ones you circle and think, oh wow, those if West Virginia could win one of those, that that would be a a, a big big deal. And I don't think that exists anywhere else on the uh, on the schedule. Um, 
Yeah, I, I think those are the answers. It's got to be one of those two, right? Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, I mean, Iowa State would be more likely because it's not Oklahoma and it's at home. Um, I do think that for the purpose of this conversation that maybe Oklahoma State applies, that would be my pick of the three just because I don't think Oklahoma State's significantly better than West Virginia. I guess my point of the answer is that they're in a spot where they're not major underdogs when they're underdogs, except yeah. for the two CFP contenders. That's a really good spot. That's a different story, too. But um, I guess how close they can be to Oklahoma early in the season will answer some questions about this team. The question is, what's their record going into that game? And then what does that outcome do? Because, mm. again, that's I think people look at like there's almost a preseason before that game. You know what I mean? Like, all right, let's see what we have. And then let's go to Oklahoma and see what we can like. What can we do? Can we scare him? Can we compete with him? Can we in the game? When we come out of the locker room at halftime. Can we be in the game in the fourth quarter? Those are the things that they're thinking about, I'm sure. But those answers are probably easier to come by based on what happens before that. And then after that's a different season, too. I almost feel like Oklahoma's almost a season itself. It's just like it's separate from that. And then again, yeah. that Oklahoma bleeds into things, too. But um, I don't know. Those would be my three and probably least like and the most likely would be Oklahoma, Iowa State, Oklahoma State. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that 100 percent, particularly the, the part about, you know, the portion of the schedule before Oklahoma kind of feels like a preseason. That Virginia Tech game on the 18th of September yeah, that's a big game, but uh, you know, I think West Virginia will probably be the favorite in that one. If not, it'll be close. They're at home, so I don't. I don't think that would be an, an upset type deal, but I think it's a good a good barometer, a good measuring stick for how this team's going to feel going into that Oklahoma game the next week. Because I, I, the sense I get, and correct me if I'm wrong here, West Virginia fans have some pretty high hopes for this season, reasonable expectations, maybe uh, high expectations, and. I think they probably expect to to kind of beat on Virginia Tech a little bit, so I, I think that'll be a good measuring stick just for kind of the where the fans are at going into that that game the next week against Oklahoma because that's going to be a big one. Like you said, if you can go in and play with one of the CFP contenders, then you start feeling a whole lot better about the back half of that schedule. I don't have a great read on any one of their non-conference teams. Long Island, who cares? But like Maryland could be. Maryland could be really good, I think, at some point in the season. I'm not sure it's at the beginning of the season. So they might catch them at the right spot. And then Tech, I just there, – there's so much smoke around that program that from the outside, it's really hard for me to get a, a picture into what they're going to be. Um, and, again, like that that game is going to be just a different dynamic because I mean, they, haven't, they haven't played in Morgantown since 2005. It's crazy. So that'll be, that'll be juiced for sure. But I'm not sure that really affects the – like I'm not sure everybody's like, man, i got to make sure that I get that Black Diamond trophy back for my people. Does that really affect everybody? I'm not sure. So, but again, like I, I just don't know what that team is going to be and like who the starters might be and what they're supposed to be good at. But there's a weird vibe about the Hokies that makes me think that that could be a wobbly team by the time they come to Morgantown. Like if it gets tough early in the season and their schedule at the beginning is not easy, um, if it gets tough, what are they going to have left? I don't know. So like that's it's a good start for West Virginia because maybe they catch Maryland in the right spot. Maybe Tech just doesn't happen at that point. Yeah, I, I I agree with you there. The the whole wobbly aspect of, of, of Virginia Tech, you, know, you you look at all of the guys that that have been transferring out of that program. The uh, the rumblings, I believe it was, that you know Fuente might be on the hot seat down there. Hell, uh, Doug Nestor probably going to be starting for for West Virginia along the offensive line this year. One of the guys that that left out of Virginia Tech. So be very interesting to see just what they bring to the table, particularly at that point in their schedule. But I'm with you on the on the non-conference teams just not really having a, a gauge on them, particularly Maryland. You know, I, I think Maryland might be pretty good, but it's it's Maryland. I feel like you never know when Maryland's going to be good until they actually are. Would not be shocked if Tech is 0-2, by the way. 
Who do they have the previous two games? North Carolina. Okay. Middle Tennessee State. And that's when people are going to be like, Mike, come on. I'm that Middle Tennessee State is going to be frisky. I just that team was uh, just had a nightmare season. They have a lot of people back. They've upgraded in some spots. They're going to be they're going to be better. Like that team does not continue the downward spiral it was on last year. If if the things that you think are going to work out do work out, but I can just see that being a tough game because again, a lot of eggs in one basket for UNC. If you go one and zero, man, what a start! Beat UNC, CFP sleeper, right? And if they don't, man, that's that deflates you a little bit, and then you know. You got to come back and play Middle Tennessee State, and that team's. I just everything I've read about that. That's a sneaky, sneaky team. I would not be surprised they, to throw into. They doing a little Conference USA research for preseason things. I've I've kind of worked on and have in the can. Uh, yeah, Middle Tennessee. I don't think last year was was indicative of where they're at as as a program. I think they they were one of the teams that kind of got kind of got swept up in all in all of the COVID pandemic stuff then and what that meant for college football, and, and it just kind of spiraled on them i think they're going to be like you said sneaky good this year a, a team if you have them in non-conference like maryland or excuse me like virginia tech does then you know look out keep your keep your head on a swivel because they'll come for you martel petaway revenge season oh all of all of these former west virginia guys are you know littered throughout conference usa now you mentioned petaway at middle tennessee I think in November we've got a potential austin kendall versus trey low matchup with with la tech and and southern miss so you know, maybe WVU fans put that ESPN Plus subscription to extra work to get some of these Conference USA games on down the line if they, they want to see some of the, the old Mountaineers playing. Well, not that, but you heard about the referee for that low Kendall game, right? Yeah, <laughs> who's it going to be? Jack Allison. Oh, man. Perfect. True. True. Uh, speaking of Maryland, this question comes from WVU Flyer. Um, and again, if you know Maryland, chip in here. Or what you know about West Virginia, feed off my answer. Are you ready? Yes. Almost three weeks until kickoff. What are Maryland's? What area of Maryland's defense do you think WVU can exploit? And if you're Jordan Leslie, what is keeping you up at night trying to defend the Terps on nine four? Okay. Maryland's defense could not stop the run and could not turn people over last year. Um, they were just not a team that impacted you with their play. Their defensive coordinator was not very popular. Somehow ended up in the NFL. They brought back Brian Stewart, who's been there before, um, was at Houston before Maryland, and then kind of floated around. He went to the NFL. He's back. I guess he wanted the job. He got the job. He took it. His thing is secondary and probably creating turnovers there, too. Pressure defense, he's been good with blitzes before, too, but their linebackers are really thin and really young. They couldn't stop the run last year. If you're West Virginia, Letty Brown, Letty Brown, Letty Brown, Tony Mathis, Letty Brown, Letty Brown, Letty Brown, a very sparrow, Lady Brown, Lady Brown, Lady Brown. That's kind of where I'm going there. I think you would pick apart their run. And if you do, then you're going to open up shots, you know, play action stuff, RPO stuff. But I think run, 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 run. That's where you're going to pick apart until they can prove otherwise. And in the first game of the season, unlikely. So weak linebackers couldn't stop the run. New defensive coordinator. I'd be looking at the run. Defensively, they got a really big running back and they have two playmakers out wide at receiver. Um, the really big running back is different because West Virginia's defensive line is supposed to be stout. If you can hammer it away a little bit, and this game is close in the fourth quarter, and I'm, I'm projecting way too much here, but that's what a big running back does. But again, they have playmakers at receiver. They have some good outside guys who are going to be maybe NFL players, but I think the potential is certainly there. Um, and West Virginia's cornerback situation, okay. Make Troy Fortune's back. Then you got either Jackie Matthews or Charles Woods, the Illinois State transfer. But one solid starter, one 
heretofore unproven starter. Maybe that changes again. That's why you play the games. But uh, I would be kind of concerned about their outside talent at receiver. They have some good receivers. Um, how good can they be? How good will West Virginia let them be? I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, uh, sounds like you nailed it there. What West Virginia is good at, and that's obviously running the ball, getting getting Letty Brown going. That seems to be the weakness for Maryland. So I think you hammer that and hammer that and hammer that until you know they either stop you and you've got to got to go another way, or or until you know the game's over and and you and you won. Um, other side of the ball, I, my question to you was going to be about the cornerbacks. Is Maryland seems to be you know pretty pretty proficient at being able to throw the ball, get the ball down the field. They've got some good receivers, but you know if there's if there's a question mark for, for me looking at West Virginia's de- defense right now, it would be those guys on the outside, the cornerbacks. So I think. What would keep Jordan Leslie up at night thinking about the Terps? I, I think it would be, you know, hoping that you can, you know, play some pass coverage on those guys and, and being able to slow them down so that your running game, your offense can can build you a lead that you can hold on to. Yep. Uh, Rakeem Jarrett, six foot, 200 speedster, had a pretty good freshman season. I think he's going to be maybe, you know, one of the top receivers they see. And then Dante Dimas, 6'3", um, Bolitnikov, watch this guy, kind of an honorable mention all-conference player. They're good. Um, who's going to run the ball for them is is the thing. And again, like I mentioned, they have the big back, um, but they've, they've kind of lost some players just through different just through time there. And they weren't a great running team last year. You know, what can they do? I don't know. But again, if, if I know that they don't have a great secondary, we think on paper, it could be good, but man, I don't want to like throw a bunch of passes just because I can't run the ball, I, especially early in the season. It's hot. It's August. I'd like to run the ball if I could. Um, I don't know if they can do that. And then they have some players back on their offense, Offensive line that that could be good, but um, I'm trying to think of the running back's name. Here we go, Penny Bone, six one two forty five. Looks like he might be a guy, but they have they have some other players there. They've recruited pretty well there. A freshman playing in that game, I don't know. I think you're going to see a lot of running backs in that game if you're West Virginia's defense. You probably should be prepared for like forty handoffs and a couple of deep shots there too. But um, boy, here we are talking about oh, just get the game into the fourth quarter and see what happens. And <laughs> we're not even near yet <laughs> too. Uh, moving on, uh, offensive line question for you, Tom. This will go back to some things some players you know about from coverage of high school sports something you've done in the past at a high level um if you were the offensive line coach who would be in your starting group and why this question comes from nc wayward ear um you know some of the players yes are aware of the major addition um you can read so you probably have caught some of the preseason comments and speculation here but uh, this would be a good perspective here outside in from huntington to morgantown who do you like and why well, work work with me here. Who who are um, kind of projected to be those five guys, and and what positions are they in? What are the what are they doing with Nestor? Where where's he been playing at? Right guard, left guard. It just depends on if James Gamitter is there or if they're going to give Jordan White a day. Um, Jordan White looks like he could be a guard for sure. Kind of highly thought of redshirt freshman. Kind of snapping a little bit, so I think that maybe he could be an interior guy somewhere in the future. But maybe he's just a backup center, but they like him there. If something happened to Frazier, hey, maybe he's so good we got to get him on the field. Guard's not totally different. So Nestor's going to be your left or right, it looks like. If he's the left guard, that means White is the right guard. If he's the right guard, that means Committer's the left guard. Is Committer the player he was in 19 or 20? Don't know. If he's healthy, probably more like 19 than 20. He wasn't healthy last year. Um, COVID test, sidetracked, never got back on track. And then tackles, Brandon Yates, familiar name, started, played a lot last year. Right tackle Parker Moore has not had a lot of time in the sun. Um, this may be his time. And they got Wyatt Milam. 
That's yeah, already the third. That's already the third name. I don't know if he's starting, but I wonder how much he could heat things up. I, don't, I wonder if he can become the third player. But um, those are your, your main guys there, I think. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, so you so you pencil in or, or put it in pen. Frazier at center, that, that one's kind of locked down, it sounds like. Yep. Uh, you, you mentioned me being familiar with, with a lot of these guys. You know, I... I covered Frazier in high school. I covered a lot of Frazier's high school wrestling career, actually. I saw him down in Huntington at the state tournament a lot. And um, same same goes with on the football side with, with Wyatt Milam and, and, and Doug Nestor when they were playing in their high school ball down at Spring Valley. Um, I don't think you necessarily just plug those guys in because they're they're the West Virginia guys. But, but man, they are so, so good and so talented. It's going to be hard to keep them off of the field. I think I don't know that you necessarily roll out all. We, we would have to come up with a good nickname for it if they have all of these in-state guys playing on the offensive line at the same time. But and uh, that's something we can work on for for a future episode. But but I think at some point it's probably going to happen. Just as far as rotations and getting guys on and off the field, I wouldn't be stunned at all to see you know Milam on the field with Nestor and with um, and with Frazier. And a question I have for you, uh, Bryce Biggs, a guy that was committed to Marshall initially. Coaching change comes about. He never signs with the herd. Things kind of hem and haw, and, and he ends up, you know, committing and signing and signing with West Virginia. You know, Bryce is a big dude. He just he oh. look he looks the part when he's not in pads. Then you see him in pads, and and, and he really looks the part. How's it going for him up there? Is he going to be a guy that's going to get to play much or or do much of anything? Being a, a true freshman up there, or is he going to have to sort of take his place in line and, and kind of wait? I think he's got a chance to be in that four game model. And if they had to use him a lot, something went wrong. Nothing against him. They like sure, him. Sure, sure. He's young. He's young. But he's big. Um, Milam's a big dude. He's as big as Milam. Oh, yeah. Um, so, like, those two I saw a lot in camp. They were uh, around each other. Every time I saw them in camps, they were together. Um, freshmen typically work those camps, and they're two freshmen. They were there, and they were always there. And then they spent a lot of time talking to some of the older players who were around. And also Matt Moore. So he's been committed to this off the field for as long as he's been here, too, which is important because you really got to soak up stuff. And that gives you benefit of the doubt with the coaches and the players who see you around doing stuff. So I think he's on on the track he's supposed to be on. And then, look, they sold him on a plan. You know, come in. You're going to redshirt. You're not going to play. It might be until 23 when you're on the field. But, hey, that time you can have a scholarship. Um, and, by the way, look at Nick Malone. Look at Tyler Connolly. Look at guys who we brought in from West Virginia high schools. Not Connolly, but Nick Malone for sure. But we brought him from how about surrounding high schools who could have gone to Division One schools, um, but walked on here and we have a plan. And by the way, they're in position now. They're two deep guys. They're playing time guys. Um, you can do that if you want to. And he's doing that right now. I think that helps. He's he's a year away probably from being a year away, so to speak. I hate saying that, but this first year is just about him getting accustomed to being at this next level. And then he starts to take steps next year. But I think that if you if you put anybody in a chair and made them give you the truth, He's doing what he's supposed to do right now. Yeah, Biggs, looking at Marshall's most recent recruiting class, not 
not super great across the board if, if you get caught up in, in the rankings and, and the star ratings and things like that, things that things that we do get caught up in around here. But I thought that was a big loss, just knowing the kid a little bit, having seen him play in high school when it, when it came out that he was not just not going to Marshall, but he was going to go to West Virginia. It's like, that, that one's going to sting for the herd a little bit. That's one that's got away. Uh, speaking of, similar idea here, um, Bryce Biggs, one name. Corbin Page is another one. Ooh. Um, tight end or offensive lineman? What do you think is his future? It, I, I think he's a tight end, but I'm so, I'm wrong about that so so many times, Mike. You you see a kid that plays tight end in high school, and you think, oh, he can he can step right in. He's he's got the body, he's got the speed. He can he can run, he can catch, he can he can do all of those things. And you know, the summer before they get to campus they kind of disappear into the weight room or, or into the grocery store sometimes. And, and they come out, you know, 30, 40 pounds heavier and, and they're playing, you know, tackle or guard somewhere and, and doing it well. So maybe I'm not the best one to ask. I think he's a tight end, but I wouldn't be shocked at all if, if they packed some weight on him and, and had him play offensive line, but he's a really good tight end, man. He's really, really good at, you know, not just, you know, being that receiving tight end, but spring Valley's a team that doesn't throw it around a whole, whole lot. And, and they run off of him, too. So, you know, it helps that they've also had guys like Bryce Biggs and, and Wyatt Milam. And, gosh, even going back, Doug Nestor, I don't think uh, he crossed paths with, with Corbin Page during his time at, at Spring Valley. But that's kind of been the, the pedigree in the history of Spring Valley football is to really establish that power running game. And, and you know, he's a, he's a guy that can get down on the line and block. So, like I said, wouldn't be stunned to see him on the line at, at the next level. But I think he could be a pretty good tight end, too. Uh, let's get the one last like football football, and then we'll have some fun with the rest of these. Um, simple question: Will the offense be improved? Harder question: How much will the offense be improved? More points, more yards, both. I think it's going to be improved. Um, how much, boy? I don't know. That's impossible to say. But I guess my point here: yards, points. Th- does that even matter, or do you just have to like? I-, I don't know. Like, how would you measure to answer this question? improvement is it just like you're you're more threatening you're more potent you have shorter drives i understand you have points per game there's a whole lot of ways to get to points per game more yards yards can be hollow sometimes you know empty calories so to speak but i don't know if if after let's say they hit their bye week their open week and you're saying is their offense better how would you be gauging that i want i guess i want to spin the answer on this one here we think their offense is going to be improved but how do we qualify that and when do we qualify that it's it's one of those things for me that that you and this is something you guys talk about a lot, uh, outing myself as a listener of your podcast every week. Mm. But you you gotta trust what you see. You gotta use your eyes and and trust what you see. And you can get caught up in the numbers and the stats, and those are all are all valid. Well, usually valid. But you know when you looked on the field last year, West Virginia was a team that that shot itself in the foot on offense a lot. There was a lot of a lot of start and stop. Um, if if that starts waning or or going away, I think that's an improvement. Obviously, uh, you, you look at the receivers. I think the receivers left a lot to be desired for West Virginia, not just last year, but going back, gosh, to when when I started covering the team. You know, I guess the year after Sills and all those guys left, you, you start looking at the receivers, and they just weren't living up to to the to the standard they had set. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of drop passes, a lot of a lot of guys, you know walking back to the huddle, looking at their hands, blaming their gloves type deals. And, you know, when, when that starts to go away, I think, you know, it's the kind of thing that 
raises the tide for everybody else. Obviously, West Virginia has a good thing going with that offensive line with Letty Brown, with, with just the run game in general. But, you know, if you, if you want to be improved, you want to make that next leap, I think the receivers have to become much more involved in the game and, and much more consistent. You would have guys that would have, you know, a good game or, or a good few games for the Mountaineers last year. And you think, oh, OK, there's they're starting to break out of this. And then it would just, it would just kind of fizzle or, or go away. At least that was my observation of it last year. And, and it seemed like, yeah, the receivers would be where I would pinpoint if you want improvement from the offense, start looking at the receivers. I think it's a good answer, too. Again, if it looks better, you're going to know it's better. You'll be able to look down on the field or the scoreboard, I guess, but then look down at the stat sheet and say, ah, that's it. That, that makes a lot more sense. This is going in the right direction, too. You can look at yards per play and points per game, and that, that matters. But, like, something else that is, I guess, a stat that'd be an easy reference for you, look at the difference between yards per play for you and yards per play for them. If there's a gap in there, and different coaches feel like there's different things, but, like, two to three yards, that's pretty significant. Um, and then that that kind of takes care of itself in the scoreboard too. But West Virginia's yards per play wasn't very good last year, and the other teams was not either, um, because their defense is good. I think people think their defense won't be as good. It can still be good, but if it takes a small step back, but the offense picks it up, and it can create a gap or even a bigger gap between yards per positive versus yards per allowed, that does help. But I'm I'm with you 100%. It's the right way to answer it too. You'll know. Like this doesn't look like what I'm used to. My gosh, we're hanging sevens in the red zone. I can't believe it. Oh my gosh, a three play drive. Sooner or later, that's just going to add up, and it's going to look different on paper. Good answer there. Um, all right. Now some of the more enjoyable ones here, too. Go back in history a little bit, Tom. You can add one player from the past to this team, not a quarterback. Add a single WVU great, excluding quarterback. Who do you add and why? Oh, this is tough. This is tough. I uh, I, I, I like the answer that, that another – uh, another member of, of your VIP board post in, in Pac-Man Jones. I think that's a great addition. We talked about, or I, I brought up, you know, what's West Virginia going to be like at, at the corner position. I think Pac-Man would be one that you could definitely slot in and he would have some success on this team. Um, thinking otherwise, though. Well, you're looking at the roster saying, all right, what's the weak spot, right? Yeah. And quarterback doesn't count, but like, do you do you need, for example, Steve Slayton or Pac-Man Jones? Well, probably Pac-Man, right? Yeah, uh, I think I think I, I think I would go with Pac-Man on that side. I you know, look at some of the receivers that that West Virginia has had. Gosh, you you don't even have to go all that far back. You know, just even this century, guys that have, that have come through that program at receiver, you could just take your pick and, and plug them in. And I think any team would like to have Tavon Austin line up outside and, and, and take some snaps for him. So, yeah, that would be my answer. Uh, offense, I'd take Tavon Austin. Defense, I'd take Pac-Man Jones. Yeah, hard to argue Pac-Man. There, there's other corners you can do, but, man, as far as, like, a pure talent, he was up there. Um, offensive line got me thinking, and because we mentioned there, there might be a need for a left tackle or a right tackle, but, like, I think about my answer here, and I just I can't figure out uh, why this player would be behind the offensive line or whatever. It's a weird one. I get it. Uh, I would love to see Chris Henry. You know, I thought about that. I thought about that, too. That's a name that crossed my mind. Like, that, just the 6'5", running a 4'3", a 4'4". Um, I, I think people forget how big he was. He was, like, a legit 225, 230. He was, a, he was a freak, man. He was so good. He was fun and, to watch. And just got past people all the time. And, like, West Virginia has big players who are fast. But, like, he was he was a threat. Like, he was your one-play drive guy. He was a guy who would bail you out in the red zone or on third down or whatever. He could get open because he was tall. He can get open because he was fast. Like, um, 
it, it would just be fun to watch him again. That's another thing too. Like for his career is and his personal life by and large stop and go for different reasons. And I think we don't have to go over that, but like, man, just to see him out there and, and running around and doing stuff again would be really fun because I, I just think people forget how good he was. He was, he was not a flash in the pan. He did it for two years at a really high level. Um, and over time we forget, like, because this place has been kind of blessed with really good receivers and highlights and stats, whatever, but man, you can't forget what he did. He was dying. Here's one for you. Chris Henry or Kevin White in that spot? I, I, Kevin White was a lot of fun to watch that one year, but I don't think he scared everybody like Chris Henry scared everybody. Like, okay. Chris Henry, like, made you not – like, remember when he did the Rutgers with the 80-yard touchdown because they called a timeout with, like, four seconds left because they wanted West Virginia to punt with, like, four <laughs> seconds left. And it was it was almost halftime, and Chiano called timeout because he wanted West Virginia to punt with four seconds left. And Rodriguez said, no, I'm going to throw it deep to Henry. And Henry just, because he could, ran past everybody and caught, like, an 80-yard touchdown. Like it wasn't like that was the type of talent he was. That was video game stuff. Like when you're when the guy on the couch next to you calls a timeout, and you're like, wait a minute, I can run a play in four seconds, and you do it. And who cares? It's a video game. If it doesn't work. Like that was real life. Like that was Rodriguez saying, "My guy's better than your eleven. I'm just going to throw a deep to him, and it worked." <laughs> like not supposed to work that way, but it did. Uh, yeah, fair, fair enough. Point. I I just wanted to wanted to see where we were at on that because White, when you talk about that mold of the big the big receiver, the the fast guy, the guy that was prolific at West Virginia, Kevin White was the other one that came to mind when you started describing Henry. Mm. Um, some fun with numbers here again too. Daigie averaged. This is from WVUG thirteen. Daigie averaged two hundred fifty eight point seven yards a game last year, which over thirteen games would put him at thirty three sixty three over under. 3,500 yards for Daigie. I'm going to take the over. Not not by a lot, but I think I'm I think I'm going to take the over. I think that they improve in, in the in the passing game. I think that there's another, you know, 150 yards out there for him to 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 hit that that benchmark. Um, yeah, I'll take I'll take the over. Not super confidently, but I will take the over. I'm with you. I, I thought about this and I'm thinking, well, they're gonna run the ball a lot and their offensive line should be better, but I still think you can run a lot and, and be better passing. I'll I'll go over, but I bet you it's close. And realistically, that's not a whole lot. Like you like you said, it's 150 yards. That's not a whole lot of an improvement. That's how many drops last year, right? Right. <laughs> so, uh I think that's definitely in there. Um, yes or no. Will West Virginia have a one thousand yard receiver? And if so, who? I'll take this one. I do not see it. I can see a couple of guys with 600 plus yards, but I don't see a 1,000 yard guy. And if it is, Sam James, I think he would be the one too. But but yeah, that's oof. that's a that's a lot to ask. I think considering what what we've seen out of him, it would it would take a, a market and drastic improvement for him to get to the get there. And, and not a knock on the kid, but just from from what I've seen, what I know, he's he's not there yet. I I. Loved what I saw from him two years ago. I did not like what I saw last year. I know that Bryce Ford Wheaton and Winston Wright are there. And James is going to have a hard time, I think, because of uh, of the position he plays. He's almost the fourth receiver, and that he's a second slot guy. But I, 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 I've heard some good things. He looks totally different. Like, his body is in a much better spot. Quiet, looks confident. Um, I, I could see that being the guy who leads the team in, in receptions. or yard. He's done it before. I just don't believe that guy doesn't exist. I, I see a guy who pressed a thousand yards as a redshirt freshman. I, I can't believe he forgot it. And if it's a two-year restoration project, it's a two-year restoration project. But maybe it pays off this year. Um, wild card. I understand. I said no. 
I don't think we're going to have a thousand. But I think like if things go crazy, um, it would be because things went crazy. And, and in that situation, a guy who is maybe off the radar or is not at the top of your list, that qualifies. <laughs> like that's the type of thing that would have to happen, I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I don't think they get a, a thousand yard receiver, but you know, if they do, like you said, some something has gone crazy. Something has improved drastically in in, in that department, and you start looking around at well, where where and who needs to make drastic improvements to get this unit better, and and you and you land on Sam James. I think he had a very disappointing 2020 season. I thought after. You know, all right year in, in 2019. I didn't think he was spectacular. I thought he was gr- very good at times, but but less good at, at others. And, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think he would be the guy. Uh, you mentioned, you know, Bryce Ford Wheaton. That might be the one that you go, oh, well, if they have a 1,000-yard receiver, it'll be him. Maybe, but 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 I'm with you. I think it, it's going to go where the improvement shows, and that would probably be Sam James if, if it happens. Yep. Um, who leads the team in receiving touchdowns? We probably mentioned him here. Oh, just Heavy to be favorite would be go ahead. Just to be fun, can I can I say Grayson Malashevitz? <laughs> I don't. It seems like he's got a pretty good rapport with uh, with the quarterback. I think I saw something that that they're roommates, but I don't I don't know how much he's going to get on the field to be able to 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 lead the team in touchdowns, unless maybe he's running kicks back two or three at a time every game. Um, mm-hmm. Bryce Ford Wheaton, I, I I think he's he's got a uh, got a good shot to to be that guy. He's you know, a guy that that showed he can be a target in the end zone to get down the field last year, and you know that it, it seemed like Deggy was comfortable with him, and, and and vice versa. And you know, just as an outsider looking in right now, you look at the roster, you look at what they did last year. Who leads the team in receiving touchdowns? I'll take that guy. Yeah, I would go with you there. He's he just has Deggy's attention. You can tell he looks for him first on stuff in the red zone too, and, and things designed for him too. Uh, wild card for me, not James, not right. Again, I think with not to devalue Winston right, but if he's leading your team in in yards, that's probably not good. Um, just because like that that's supposed to be receptions and and first downs and, and kind of danger plays, touchdowns. It's hard for him to get in the end zone, although he doesn't act for that. Um, I'd watch out for Isaiah Esdale. Great hands, runs the fade route, has a really good level of trust from Daggy. Um, again, best hands on the team and a team that doesn't have great hands. I understand, but maybe uh, yes or no. Double-digit sacks for no. a player. No, I don't think so. We're not not for any individual player. They might get there as a team, but that's a lot of sacks. And you know, WV's defense, their defensive line, pretty pretty good, really deep group. But ten sacks is a lot for any one person to get. I don't think they do it. I'm with you. Um, I don't think anybody's had more than eight and a half since David Long's. No, Noble Wachuku had eight and a half in 2015. And then before that, you're going to the Bruce Irvin years. So um, that's the Bruce Irvin year, I should say. He had 14 in 2010. Uh, it's hard to do, especially when you're rolling, you're rolling defensive players in. You have specialists and quarterbacks get their hand, ball out of their hands. Uh, I'm with you. I would say no. It's been a while, and they've had good defensive linemen since then, but they still can't get there. Uh, last one, who leads the team in interceptions? I'm going to go Lonzo Adai because they're going to move him all over the place. With deception comes some maybe gimmies, but also – He's like a cornerback playing free safety. He gets his hands on everything. He's instinctually smart. Don't think he'll be a corner. Uh, I think that he'll be a guy who can get in there and make plays on deflections or because he jumps around in the middle of the field. Uh, I like that one. Yeah, I, I, I like that one, too. I think Adai would be my pick for that, just just looking at who else coming back, who's who's going to be playing. But 
a wild card in that one for me, or at least a, a, a curiosity in that one for me, is what is Kerry Martin's role going to be on on the team now? He's another guy, in-state guy. I've, I've been covering Kerry since he was a, a freshman in high school. You know, saw him throwing the ball around at the Y in Charleston, or at Laidley Field, rather, when he was in, in the eighth grade. So I, I've followed this guy's career from, you know, Horseman Middle School in Kanawha City up to WVU. Um, not, you know, keeping all of the uh, the things from from last year to to the side on the field this year. Just what's the, what's the outlook for Kerry Martin? He's big. Um, this does not look like the high school quarterback, maybe college cornerback that that came to campus. Um, he's worked on his body, and everybody says he's he's been the perfect student athlete here since. Not that he had to be or whatever. Right. I think there's an insinuation that he had to stay in line. I don't think it's that. I think it's that like he's taken this really seriously. He, for whatever reason, he was gone for a year. Um, it's really hard to stay on track. He looks like he has right now. He's the backup cat safety. He might be too big to play like free in that that roaming cornerback mentality of free safety. But he could play free safety. And I think that they think that there's a chance that in a pinch he could play the spear. Um, he's the third safety on the field right now too. I mean, it would be a die. And then Mahomes, but if something happened to either one of them, he would be out there. I'm not sure he'd be in the pecking order for Spear because it's so different. Even though he's the cat now, and the cat's right behind the Spear, so you can learn that pretty quickly because the communication is there, and one understands the other because the alignment. So that that could be a guy who's like a Swiss Army and could do all three. But um, right now, everybody's saying the right things because he's done all the right things. That's good. Yeah, interesting. Like I said, he's a, he's a guy I I keep an eye on since I've left the beat because because you know he's one of those guys. I followed for so long, and and it's you know, for better or worse, it's it's been such a an interesting story with with his you know, leaving the team and all of the things that that went down with the uh, the controversy, and, and now coming back and hearing things like oh he's he's transformed his body, he's he's going to be moving around a little bit. So that's a guy I have my eye on just to just to see how it goes. Not not good or bad, but I am interested in how his season plays out. Last question, Tom. This is a tough one, but it's a good one. I want to end with this because I'm sure it'll get people talking. Uh, this comes from Hamilton 220. Uh, scrape all conference affiliations clean. There would be a draft to fill the four conferences with the current Power Five teams. So 65 teams into four conferences. Someone's getting left out, of course, here. Um, what are the first three picks? What are the last three picks? And where does WPU get drafted? Ooh. This is really good because this is good. First pick, second pick, third pick. I don't know what the order is. And I don't, again, like, I don't know that these are the three, but you figure Alabama, Clemson, Ohio Michigan. State. Ohio State. That's a good one, too. <laughs> like, where's Notre Dame? Because you're talking about. How far behind? I don't brand, think they would be. Right? Yeah. Texas A&M is an enormous brand, an enormous name. Do they get up in that top three? No, they're probably not far. But I think you would have to agree. One, two is Alabama Clemson. And I, honestly, once, once you said it, I was trying to get to it, but you're forgetting about just how across all sports, how good Ohio State is. Um, and then their, their following is legion uh, of, of Buckeye people. So I don't know why they wouldn't be in there. So your top three is pretty easy, I think. It's, it's just narrowing down who the third one is or who's in that top three because you have, we mentioned, you know, four or five teams, but. Alabama, Clemson, I'll go with the Ohio State. That's probably the right answer. Is Clemson in there or is Notre Dame in there before Clemson? Because Notre Dame all around is is better than Clemson is. Clemson's got a great football program. Is it a huge gap between Notre Dame and Clemson on the field? Probably not. Um, and then again, is Alabama, I don't want to say inflated, but is their football so good that 
you kind of forget that maybe they're not perfect or even great in other sports. I don't know. Are we doing this just on football? Probably need more there, but I'm going under the impression that this is happening, the draft, like all expansion is, and it has to do with football. And that's why I would probably go Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with that. I think those are valid concerns about Alabama outside of, of football, but, you know, the, Football is the old Reggie Jackson thing. They're they're the straw that that stirs the drink in in this one. And Alabama's brand is so big and they are so successful on the field that, you know, as as long as they keep rolling what they've got going there, I think they're obviously a a, a top three pick and they would be the first team that I would take off the board. Last three picks. This could get spicy, though. I'm I'm interested to see who who your last three in would be. I've got some ideas, but I think there's a, a, a... there's a lot to pick from here at the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. So I'm trying to think of teams that were just hurt by expansion and realign whatever. And I think Colorado was just done a huge disservice by going to the Pac-12. I'm not sure they're, they're one of the three worst. Like, I just can't think of anything really relevant apart from last year. They were kind of fun. Actually, couple last couple of years have been kind of fun. But I just think about that starting there. Like, all right, who's been largely anonymous or been just buried by that? That would be a bad one there, I would think. Um, and then I'm wondering about, you know, like Illinois football hasn't been great. People say that Vanderbilt shouldn't have a seat in the power five. Um, Oregon state to me is like maybe the most anonymous team out there. And then I'm rattling off these teams. I'm like, did you forget Kansas is a thing? (laughs) And again, if we're going just football here, I think it begins and ends with Kansas. Like that's the end. Yeah. Um, And then from there, I'm trying to, I'm trying to scoop up some teams here. Like, you know, I know, Traditionally, Rutgers has been bad, but I think they're going in the right direction again. Illinois might be fun with Bielema, so I don't know that you would knock them out of this. So I would probably go like Vanderbilt and Oregon State after Kansas. Yeah, I think Kansas is is definitely the team I would take in the, in that that bottom three over everybody else. So Oregon State, Vanderbilt, they they would make they make my short list as well. Um, I'm not. I'm not as sold on on Rutgers as as you sound like you are right now. And you know, you see so often the coaches that have success at schools go off to do other things, and schools clamor for them to come back. Oh, we got to get back to the glory days. And and some a lot of the times it, it never quite feels like they like they're able to recapture that. I'll be interested to see what Shiano is able to do at Rutgers. So I'll keep them off of my list pending that right now. Um, you mentioned Colorado as a possibility. Um, I'm thinking Northwestern also. You know, they, they're they just kind of kind of there. Uh, Illinois, down the road from Northwestern, also another one. Arkansas has, is talking about just football, Arkansas has showed some improvement last year, but just a, a historically bad stretch of, of, of ball in, in the SEC. And you wonder, okay, well, if we're blowing it up and we're redrafting teams, the SEC is not a thing anymore. So maybe Arkansas gets in a, a more favorable situation. Um, think, 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 think. Yeah, I, I think I think maybe Kansas, Vanderbilt, Northwestern. Might be might be my three. Oh man, all the graduates are gonna pen editorials assailing you now. I'm, I'm just bring that traffic on down to to herd two four seven. Hop on the message board and tell me how dumb I am for picking against uh, 
picking against Northwestern Medill grads. I just, I welcome it. I want to hear your feedback on it. <laughs> well, Tom, you've answered all the questions uh, admirably and then fell on the sword there at the end. Uh, you also have your own podcast now too. Um, if people liked what they heard or want to hate listen after listening to this today, uh, what are they in for at the, on the new podcast at Heard 247? Yeah, Heard 247 podcast. We're actually launching that today as, as we record this on a, on a Tuesday morning. We've got a couple episodes in the can ready to go. Here later this morning, this afternoon, going to try to get those out. You can, it'll be on our site over at Herd247, hopefully able to get it distributed out to a lot of the podcast platforms, the popular ones, you know, Spotify, Apple, what what have you. And, you know, we're going to, we're going to talk Marshall. We're going to talk Conference USA. Uh, first episode, we have another member of the extended 24-7 sports universe, Shane Marinelli, the new publisher of Owls 247, the Florida Atlantic site that just launched here in the last last month or so. He comes on with me. We have a, 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 a pretty lengthy conversation kind of about the, the state of Conference USA, where what's going to happen this year, who we think is underrated, overrated, things like that. So it, it should be a lot of fun. I, I would appreciate if anybody wanted to give it a listen and, and give us a little feedback on it. You know where to find them. Uh, really easy. Um, well, actually, you know what? That didn't do it. What is where your sports? Are you just heard two four seven dot com? I am just heard two four seven dot com. All right, because I punched it in, it didn't come up, but it came up twenty four seven sports dot com slash Marshall or slash college slash Marshall, and I wasn't gonna, I couldn't even spit that out there, so I want to make sure I get the abbreviated one. So heard two four seven dot com. He is Tom Bragg. Tom, thanks for your time. We'll do this again. Hey, thanks, Mike. Anytime, buddy. Yep. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com.